Hello. If you're hearing my voice right now, then you have stumbled onto the podcast where real stories of professional criminal profilers are told by professional assholes. Welcome to Profiling Pain. How's it going, Profilers? I know it's been a little bit, but here we are. We're doing it once again. This is Profiling Pain. I'm your host, Chris Payne. As always with me is... Time in fuego. What up, y'all? Now, how are you guys doing? Now, I, like I said, I know it's been a while, um, and a lot of things have happened uh, in, in that meantime. Um, for instance, uh, the, what we're going to cover today, outside of being the second installment of the Hillside Stranglers, which we told you in the first episode is a four-parter, uh, there was a Colorado shooting um, May 7th, this, this past Tuesday, actually, for us. Colorado. Um, it happened five miles away from Columbine. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to get into our other nine murders from the Hillside Stranglers. And uh, we'll see where we go from there. But in the meantime, uh, Fuego, what have you been up to? Uh, I was just in uh, the Big D, Dallas, for Texas Frightmare. Definitely the most heavily populated horror convention I have ever been to. It ran, uh, it was the what very first weekend, and uh, first weekend of May. Big heavy hitters there. Everybody from you know Robert Englund and Tim Curry to metal musicians like Scott Ian. One of the babes from the from the Butcher Babies was there. I mean, it was just tons and tons of people. Jenna Jameson was there for whatever reason. All right, looking all used up and depleted. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But hey, when you did what she did for a living for so long, I mean, it's gonna take a toll on your body. Tracy Lords was there. I got to interview the uh, the director of a ex excellent exceptional movie called i'll take your dead that i saw screened at the phoenix film festival last year he also did a horror film called the heretics that i really loved and uh yeah it was uh he was all the way from canada chad archibald really cool guy ended up partying with him and the dudes from bloodbath and beyond which is a big youtube channel with way more subscribers than the horror show from (laughs) up in canada and then the great white north and so i mean it was just constant go 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 craziness myself and Susie and cecil but it was fun. We just made the mistake of driving. Which, ah, yeah, yeah. I made that drive once. And, uh, 15 I'll, hours, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll never do it again. It's horrible. But uh, speaking of another drive, I went to, I went to Colorado, actually. Um, not this past summer, but the summer before. We went out to Denver to visit my brother-in-law. And it was, at one point, we were passing through, I believe it was Utah. And it got to a point where it said 65 miles till the next gas station, right? I'm, I'm on, like, a quarter tank. And I look at my, my other brother-in-law, and he looks at me and goes, we could do it. I was like, all right. It hit. Chance in it. <laughs> the, the gaslight came on right, right when we crossed the Colorado border. And the whole reason we went through Utah is because I heard, he goes, I heard Utah has, like, a lot of weird, like, you know, names for their towns. And I just want to see them all. I'm like, all, all right. Mormons, man. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> There's one point, actually, I wish I knew where it was because uh, I was out of it the whole time. It was a long drive. Like, we, we Riley was a newborn. Okay, so we were stopping every two hours to, to feed the baby, change the baby, the whole thing, because you had to eat every two hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, we, we powered through our drive, man. I mean, we didn't even really <laughs> stop for anything but gas. Just kept going, going, going. Well, it's easy to drive, though. <laughs> I, have, I have a uh, 2011 Chevy Aveo, which is already a roller skate. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then we had my luggage, two kids' luggage, or my brother-in-law's luggage, and my fiance's luggage in it. And that was insane already. Plus formula, plus diapers, plus, I mean, you name it, you know, that we had to have in the front seat. I mean, we had a diaper bag, probably the size of a normal suitcase. But anyway, long story short, we got to one point where you're just cruising. I mean, we're doing like 85, just hauling ass down the freeway. And then in the middle of this freeway in Utah, it just stops. 
and it's 35 miles an hour through like this weird town. Like the freeway just runs into a town. And I was like, all right, well, this is a good spot to stop, get gas, eat, whatever. So you see that a lot in the Southwest, though, where all of a sudden you just, like, cram those brakes, dude. And Crazy, <laughs> yeah. So we ended up going into a gas station that was a bowling alley slash gas station slash, like, uh, malt bar. Like, you can go and get, like, uh, root beer floats and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, oh, sweet. So I told I told Jaden, I think he was six at the time, I said, let's go get root beer floats. Get in there. The bowling alley and everything else is closed until noon. I'm like, well, we're not waiting for two hours. No. So, we, you know, we got a soda and got back on the road. And for the next three miles, or three miles, three hours, he's like, really wish we had that root beer float, Dad. I'm like, yeah, me too, man. You have no idea how bad I need that right now. <laughs> but, yeah. Give me that sugar, man. Get me through the rest of this. But it was actually jazzed and energized. So it was shortly after we left that, oh, shortly, a few hours after we left that, where we hit that whole quarter tank mark. We're like, well... Let's do this. <laughs> just haul. But yeah, we made it. Everything everything worked out great. And Denver is really beautiful. But Denver is beautiful. I went there quite a bit last well, actually not not quite a bit. A couple times last year yeah. when I was it's, it's, when I was seeing Lily. But, a whole yeah. other world. But unfortunately, this story about Denver is not as great. So and with where it happened, just the cyclical nature of crazy shizzle happening. Right. That's just mind blowing to me, man. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it now. I mean, you've got the the STEM school uh, shooting that just happened that we're about to talk about. But then, I mean, it's, it, it all really kicked off mass shooting-wise with Columbine in this country. I mean, there was plenty of cases beforehand. I'm sure we'll probably cover on the show. But you, when you really think about what really just hit home was, was Columbine. You know, it really was. I mean, how many... Uh, I remember distinctively, man, when I yeah. was in, in... I mean, bowling for Columbine being one right. that everybody refers back to. And I always think of Marilyn Manson where, you know, they ask him that question and he gave a very insightful response. He's like, so if so, if you could talk to those those killers, those those two kids, you know, what would you say to them? And he's like, I wouldn't have anything to say. I would listen because obviously a lot of people didn't. And I thought that was a really valid point and a right. you know, very interesting approach. Right, and the, I mean the 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 what sort of like the ripple effect of that. I mean, I don't know about you, but by the time I got to high school after that, I mean we didn't have lockers. We never had anything like that. Like, I was just getting into high school. I think I was like yeah. ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade when it happened, and I was in a private Christian school, so I, I wasn't even in the public sector where I know things were clamped down and had to be locked down. Yeah. So much more hardcore after that. We actually had a kid, uh, real quick in our in our class, Jeff Davenport. I don't know if I talked about this on the last episode or if I've even mentioned this, but I'm we not had a sure kid. if you have. I don't know if I should have just dropped his first and last name. We'll just call him Jeff D. There anyway, you go. <laughs> so when I was in high school, you can go to a, va- a vocational school your junior and senior year. You can go to a vocational school the second half of the day. Well, he was taking a law enforcement training at the vocational school, so he had like a little rubber gun and a holster that he got from from the law enforcement. Is training. that like the same as kids doing ROTC and things like that? Uh, that sort of thing um, I, or I mean, not? I guess it's similar. Like when I was in, when I when I got my freshman year of high school, I was on the rifle team. Like we mm-hmm. had live rifles in high school, but we couldn't have lockers. There's a really weird dynamic going yeah, on. That's quite the paradigm there. <laughs> right. But so Jeff uh, showed up on the normal campus, the normal school, you know, the normal everyday public school before you get to the school. Right. And uh, he ended up actually getting taken down by security for having this rubber gun on him. Because they, you know, they they panicked. That's the kind of atmosphere that that things like that had created. And then after Columbine, the next big shooting or big thing in Colorado you think of is is the Aurora, Colorado shooting. Yep. You know, and it's it just seems like I'm not saying that Colorado itself is a hotspot because it's happened all over the nation. But it makes you wonder though if it's like almost there's a saturation of negative energy in right. that, like after something so horrible like that mm-hmm. happens, and maybe that's sort of I mean, you can call it whatever force or the energy you want, but it's in, it's beyond coincidental to me in some in some aspects, you know, especially with the way that I was raised religiously and everything and believing 
there can be negative spiritual forces like that and stuff and maybe compel, you know, people, children, you know, teenagers, whatever, to be more inclined to do horrible stuff like that. But who knows? It's all up to speculation at this point. But so... Well, the the the, the largest... And I mean, like I said, we might do a Columbine episode. So the largest misconception about Columbine was that these two kids that did Columbine were outcasts, this and that, this and that. But the main guy, the one whose idea it was, I mean, he even created a webpage. I don't know if you know this or not, but he created a webpage based around the Columbine shooting that about wanting to do it, about going to do it. Like, yeah. And he wasn't an unpopular kid whatsoever, actually. He actually had multiple friends. He was actually a really, really popular kid. So everybody's idea of like, oh, he was an outcast, he was this, he was that, that's not the case whatsoever. Unfounded, yeah. You know, I, I, and I, it's it's so hard. And, you know, as we continue doing these shows and doing this stuff, you know, the, the main fascination behind it for me has always been the, the mental state of the people who do these things and what draws them to it. And in, in the umpteen millions amounts of hours that I'm putting into this and thinking about it, you know, I've, I've actually found a lot of cases where head injury is a big thing. Um, a large thing, because we, we've been based in the 70s this entire episode, and then the Richard Chase episode, and then we're going to eventually do Richard Ramirez. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, Ted Bundy, I mean, we're going to talk about a bunch it of stuff. It was a prolific decade for right. just... And, and a lot of the idea behind that actually is uh, lead poisoning in the air. So all the exhaust from these fuels, because in the 70s, they, they were starting to switch over from leaded to unleaded fuels. Yeah. So there's a theory out there that you mix a head injury, because how many times have we talked about head injuries? I mean, even outside the show, how many times have we talked about head injuries with these serial killers? I mean, there's, there's so many times. I mean, I think there's upwards of like, now they've proven something like 35% of most of these serial killers have, have ended up getting a head injury at a very, very either young age or at a very influential age where they're like their melon just doesn't heal right or something just doesn't click or they get rewired and then you mix that with whatever they went through growing up mm-hmm. you know but they're also saying lead poisoning i guess you know this is this is a definite warning for flint michigan you know but they're saying that lead poisoning actually helps increase your aggression increases your anger like it's it does something to your to your brain to where it releases these other chemicals that normally I can't say I'm as, shocked. <laughs> yeah, so you mix those two things. I mean, and and maybe it's a perfect storm. It's like creating a Molotov cocktail of crazy within right. within the person's proverbial head, man. And <laughs> and not just that, but California being such a transient state as it is, like no, yep. I mean, I I've never met anybody from California that was from California, really. You know what I mean? Like, or even out here, like I'm from California, I live in Arizona. Hmm. I mean, but I'm I talk, a native, <laughs> right? But you talk desert about, dweller, born and raised. Phoenix is Deadly turning desert. out to be that. Phoenix is turning into a transient city. You oh, know big mean? time! I mean, and it, it's with Arizona State. It's with the fact. Right. Right. So many retirees come out here. I mean, and that's been those numbers have been going up. They have certainly been been fluctuating and upward you, over the last 15, 20 years or so since I was a little kid. I mean, and you, you know? think of the craziest cities in America. You think Chicago. You think Detroit. You know, <laughs> Detroit, Manhattan. Yeah. You think Los Angeles, obviously, and you think Las Vegas. You know, I mean, that's where the most Dallas is pretty crazy too, man. <laughs> Dallas's freeway was the craziest part for me when I was out there. And then when I went to Denny's, there's a lot of odd characters out there too. But I, <laughs> I went to Dallas Fort Worth, which is a little bit calmer, where where yeah. at least the area that I was in. A lot of dead skunks on the road. I can tell you they kind of stunk when I was driving out there. Oh, I saw dead armadillos, all kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> That's actually if you make a if you make a stew out of dead roadkill, it's called burgoo. Hmm. Just throwing that out there. I'm thinking Beverly Hillbillies roadkill <laughs> stew. All right, so so on on to uh, on to talking about this Denver Denver situation real quick. So not a lot has come to light really. Um, the trial started Wednesday, like the day after the shootings. I hadn't even heard about it until you brought it to my yeah, attention since I was traveling and stuff. Right. And I was just all in the horror world. I was obviously, you know, not paying attention to the real horrors of the world. Right. You so know, I, I mean, fantasy land. Well, as far as mass shootings go, uh, there was one death. And 
brave, I mean, brave, brave kid. As a matter of fact, I mean, I'd like to pay homage to him right now. So uh, Kendrick Castillo actually um, lunged at the shooters. Kendrick Castillo was the only fatality this entire thing. And there's a few other stories online floating around of uh, this 12-year-old kid named Nate who grabbed a baseball bat and was going to go out there and handle things on his own. Like, there was a lot of – I mean, uh, just a lot of uh, – So this was grade school, junior high? No, it, it, so what it was, it was a science, technology, um, mathematics, STEM. It was, it was like, you know, I don't want to say um, an advanced school. It was a charter school. So, I mean, it had, like, you know – those aspects of it where it was very aimed education and, and in multiple ages, obviously. Yeah. So we're talking, I mean, um, probably K through 12, like you find some of these schools that are like that, these, you know, these more more charter school-oriented things. Um, but there was a lot, a lot of uh, just acts of bravery, little individual acts of bravery. I mean, as a matter of fact, they actually tried to have a vigil, and I guess that they tried to make it a big political statement, and all the kids from that school walked out, walked out and said, we're not going to be made a political pariah. That's not what this is about. Like, I mean, there's a lot of just awesome examples of, of bravery and just, like, just heart that these kids are showing. A lot oh, of heart. Yeah, and it's so unsavory when adults want to push an agenda from these situations right. as opposed to really just mourning the dead or the wounded Correct. or whatever it may be, you know? You know, and unfortunately, I mean, you know, during the Obama years, we had a lot of mass shootings. I mean, there, I mean, I mean, realistically, in the last... I'd say two decades, this, this country has just gone nuts in certain aspects. It has, and, and I think it's gone up because of the fact that when, when more of them happen, I feel like more potential kids that might be inclined to do something like this, they're like, maybe I could do that. Right. You know, because and that's that's also the horrible thing about the media coverage of these things and the fact right. that it's it covered so much. That's more more possibility for one you of know, those potential kids, you know, than just dangerous ones to think that they could actually get it done. You know, and the worst part about that is that I, I can tell you the name of the Aurora Colorado shooting. I could tell you the name of the shooter from the uh, from that from that Baptist church. I can tell you the names of all these shooters. I mean we even covered a shooter on the last episode when we were we talking did. about when we were talking about uh, New Zealand. I can tell you the names of all these shooters and they're ingrained in my brain. I can't tell you the name of a single victim. That's why finding Kendrick Castillo's name was so important because the fact that you know, his final moments was an act of bravery. I won't, you know, I would really like to see his name get get pushed way further than the two Ascendants names. And I, I, I kind of want to mention the Ascendants names, but I'm just going to give you their ages. I'm, I'm not even going to say their names because they don't deserve to have their names said. Yeah, it's almost glorifying them to some degree. So it was, yeah. a, it was an 18-year-old male, okay, who stole the two pistols from his, uh, from his parents. Okay, and then it was a 16-year-old uh, female going through transition to be a male. As you mentioned. That, yeah, yeah, that uh, actually was, was the second party of the shooting. Now, since Columbine, actually, there's been a law enforced in Colorado to where uh, first responders, police-wise, uh, no questions asked, you run in. It's no longer waiting to see what the situation is. They run in. That's actually a requirement of, of the law enforcement in Colorado now because so many kids had actually bled out during Columbine. Um, that because they waited so long to, to enter. And then there's another case coming up um, of uh, on school, like on campus, a uh, security guard that drew and actually shot. And I guess he accidentally struck somebody else and he was shooting at the cops because he didn't know what was going on. I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, as that persists and I see more of that, we'll talk about that on the next episode maybe, you know, to kind of give you a, a quick rundown of what's going on with this episode, you know, with, with, with what's going on with, with this Colorado shooting. But in the meantime, uh, Kendrick Castillo, you know, that's... Yeah. It's that's, pretty awesome, man. Bravery and, you know, that's that's the sort of name that needs to be mentioned in contrast with, right. you know, just giving attention to the sick sick pieces of crap that 
you know, would, would do something like this. And so. there's and there's all too many. There there is really all too many, and it seems anymore like negativity is getting glorified, and even mediocrity. There's certain aspects of of this country that's glorifying mediocrity. Truth. But we are not a political podcast. Nope, not at all. I'm a registered independent, as I always say. <laughs> there you go. We are actually a true crime podcast. So we covered recent news, and we're going to go ahead and continue on with the Hillside Strangers. This is Hillside Strangers Part Two. Uh, brought to you by Profiling Pain. Now, I did my research a little bit differently this time. Normally, I'll sit there and write a novel, but I found... I've so seen the notes every time. Yeah, <laughs> but I found actually some really, really good articles that I'm going to base this off of, so I'm going to be kind of scrolling up and down, talking about it, blah, blah, blah. But I found, him, um, I found a really good one that doesn't talk about the detectives themselves. It just bases you how about the murders, about the, how the bodies were found, where they were found, the time frame. And then I'm going to give you some little loose ends here and there about what's going on in uh, Bianchi and Bono's uh, personal life. So we got that, and that's just going to be kind of more of a discussion back and forth while I give you the details. Um, so where we last left off, Miss um, Washington was the first one found. And that was from the, from, from the escort service kind of thing that they uh, put together of sorts? Or? That's when they were trying to be pimps. Yeah. And as we all know, pimping ain't easy. <laughs> And they broke under the pressure. Yeah. No, I honestly believe that pimping was their way of finally being able to treat women the way that they felt that they should be treated. Mm. You know? And the thing about Bianchi, now, as we go... He was the older or the younger one, right? No, he, he was the younger one. Okay. So Bianchi was the one that got sent out to be manned up by Bono. Yeah. And then eventually... So when we last left off... Yes. Bianchi, and it's been a while, mm-hmm. but Bianchi had just uh, uh, found out that he was going to be a father with Miss Kelly Boyd. So him and Kelly Boyd were about to have a baby. Bono was running his upholstery shop. And uh, so Bianchi was trying to be a provider, I guess, or whatever it was he was trying to do with, with Miss Boyd. And Bono was being an asshole. So that's kind of where we left off. So he we was had, described as such. <laughs> we had senior sodomy, and then we had Cryer Kenny. So that's where we're at. Um, which also may be t-shirt concept ideas. We'll see. I don't know if I can get. Uh, I don't know if I can get senior sodomy as a t-shirt. But if I can, there you go. I'm sure you can. There's, <laughs> there, there's someone who will print those words for you. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if that phrase has been. You know. Will anyway. it sell? Will it sell? <laughs> so Yolanda Washington, age 19. Now the unfortunate part about Washington was that, unfortunately, in the 1970s, for the atmosphere we had in this country, um, her body being found, it's not like she made front page news. You know, unfortunately, an African-American prostitute, 19 years old, you know, in the 1970s, that wasn't going to be, you know, a showstopper. That just kind of fell in lines with, under the normal case of, like, breaking and entering. This burglary happened. This, you know, car chase happened. And that's just kind of where it was at at that time. Well, we weren't that far removed from the civil rights movements and things no. like that. And we were, and also the women's rights movements as well. Right. You know? Correct. So, so what ended up, uh, kind of transpiring after Yolanda, they were hoping it was an isolated event. The LAPD were, and unfortunately, with most things like this, especially when a serial killer is involved, it uh, it's all about escalation. So at first, they thought that they were just getting justification for what, um, what for the list we talked about the list that they had given them, where they thought that that was uh, actually um, they would order the prostitute, they'd go to them, as opposed to the males going out. Well, this they got the wrong list, and that was kind of their retaliation for it, which escalated craziness. But unfortunately, like most murderers, once you give yourself that one little, like, you know, okay, this is justified, it's continually justified. Yeah, it's opening Pandora's box, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So now these two, unfortunately, had a taste for this. 
So the second murder would actually happen um, on Halloween of 1977. Oh, boy. Okay, so on November 1st of 1977, police were called to an L.A. Uh, Crescenta, Los Angeles, California neighborhood, northeast of downtown Los Angeles, where the body of a teenage girl was found naked face-up on a parkway in a residential area. The then homeowner covered her with a tarp to protect the neighborhood children from viewing her since it was really close to a park, actually. So it was kind of close to a open park. And, you know, you got to do what you got to do to kind of keep the innocent innocent. So, I mean, it probably wasn't the best way to go about it, but they found the body. They reported it. They did the whole thing that they were supposed to do. They tried to cover it from the children. Well, and yeah, I mean, warp the fragile little minds of those children if they actually Correct. see something like that, as young as some of them might have been. Now, the bruises on her neck actually indicated strangulation. The body had been dumped, indicating that Judith Lynn Miller, okay, a runaway prostitute who was barely 15 years old at the time. God. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so they figured out that it was strangulation. They weren't sure it was a connection with the way that the body was dropped, the way that the murder had happened, all the markings. They were like, okay, so obviously this is kind of a thing. Um, the event caused the homeowner to relocate their family actually out of state for their own protection. They started freaking everybody out. Now, the coroner report actually further detailed her being bound, much like the first victim, Yolanda Washington. So she was bound, she was raped, okay? And also, when it comes to Bono, she was sodomized, okay? And she was strangled, all right? So that, that was number two, okay? Now, this one gets even worse. I don't, I don't know exactly what was going through their minds. Now, we know that Bono had a taste for young girls, even his own daughters, Okay, so... I remember you mentioning it. It's now, awful, man. <laughs> every time that there was a murder, um, per some of the, and I wanted to kind of cover it mo more on the next episode when we actually talk about the heroes, like we try to talk about, you know, the actual people that solved the case. Um, First those dastardly deeds, and then the that's right. peeps who actually bring it around and so bring the, some justice. The little details I'm going to give you is that uh, each time there's an uptick in murders um, is when... Uh, Bianchi and Miss Boyd were actually having troubles in their relationship and she was having troubles with their pregnancy. Now there's a, I don't know if it's a theory or if it was confirmed, but apparently she was going through such a rough time with her pregnancy that her and Bianchi wouldn't, wouldn't uh, have sex very often. So he would go out and his excuse was always, I'm going to go play cards with Bono. You know, that was his like... As you mentioned last time, yeah. Yeah, that's his let's go murder some shit. So he... I feel like they would take turns choosing their victims. And you'll see here where I feel like it's a little bit more of Bono's choice this night. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, let's let this guy choose. So the next two would actually happen um, on the same night. So two girls, all right, Dolores Cepeda, age 12, and Sonia Johnson, age 14. God damn, they, get, they keep getting younger, man. Yeah. So they boarded a school bus and headed home on November 13, 1977. Now, the last time they were seen was actually getting off this bus and approaching a car. Now, a little boy, a little boy, 14, 15 years old, had actually said that he noticed a, a, dark, a dark colored sedan with a white top um, and these two girls leaning in, talking, and then getting in the vehicle. Now, we know, well, we don't know, but we t discussed that they would actually use, um, they would kind of disguise themselves as police or say that, you know, approach as authoritative figures to kind of trick these women into getting into their vehicles. Now, that's exactly what they did with uh, these two. So inside the car were reportedly two men, a young boy cleaning up a trash strewn hillside near Dodger Stadium, found two bodies six days later. Now, November 20th, both girls had been strangled and raped and were identified as Sapita and Johnson. So not found until six days after the, the presumed incident, so they're decomposing at that time. Yes. They're, how did they manage to... 
Right. Jeez. Now, the thing I will tell you going into the actual court case is that these two specifically are the ones that Bianchi was the most uncomfortable talking about. Now, although he was a fucking monster, you can kind of tell that this was more Bono's choice. You can kind of tell that the guy that was just more of a... I think Bono was more of a sadist than Bianchi. I, well, I don't know really how to, th- how, to, how to put it into perspective. See, these two were... were more of like power control and process killers. We now on the Richard Chase episode we discussed product killer. He just wanted the blood. With these two, it was empowerment. That's why they started pimping. That's why they did all the things that they did. And then the strangulation, holding their life literally in your hands as that's happening. It's all about power. It's all about control. But it's also mind games, tricking these people into into you know following your orders. You know that's that's the control portion of it. Now, the process itself, each one was always strangled. They, they, they had a process of how they killed. Now, Bono, I think, was a sadist sexually. And I think that Bianchi, actually, his satisfaction was the initial killing. Because as you find out later, he did most of the strangulation. That was his bag. That was his thing. Well, and the thing with strangulation, man, is that it's like you, you're probably bringing them close to death and then just, you know loosening the grip and it's like that is totally power tripping where you're like I hold their life in my hands as opposed to just wanting to kill them and just get it done by stabbing or whatever the hell it may be strangulation is where you're like I have them at the brink and then I can ease up and you know they think maybe I'll let them go maybe I'll let them live and then you're just right back to it and honestly I think that shows so much more cognizance as does regret if you're feeling regret and you're not as inclined to discuss it that does not show as much of an insanity factor to me. That shows just a clear understanding of what you were doing if you feel that sort of regret, man. I mean, that's you, you can't claim craziness for, for something like this, even if you're doing something which seems unspeakable and so insanely unsavory. I mean, yeah, they, they knew what they were doing yeah. very, very well. Now, later that same day on November 20th, 1977, Hikers found the nude, sexually assaulted body of Christina Weckler, 20, age 20, on a hillside near Glendale, California. Unlike previous victims, though, there were signs of torture indicated by oozing injection marks. Now, drugs, presumably? Or? No, from what I understand about Christina Weckler is, so I said the first two were obviously Bono's choice. Mm-hmm. Now, Christina Weckler was actually somebody that Bianchi knew. Okay, He had actually made passes at her, and she had turned him down quite a few times. Um... So he approached her the first time pretty much as a creep. The second time he approached her, he approached her as an authority figure. He said that he was working with, like, the sheriff's de- deputy's department or something like that and told her that uh, there was a port of her car being stolen and to come check downstairs. So she goes downstairs to check, and they immediately put her into the trunk of their vehicle. Very trusting after already right. pegging him as a creep, man. Exactly. It's just like, and, God. Yeah, and now this was actually more personal for Bianchi because he had been denied by this woman before. So outside of strangulation, the way that he decided to try and kill this one was they took her back to Bono's shop. Um, and after, obviously, they clearly raped her, um, he put a bag over her head and had her asphyxiate slowly by pouring gasoline in the bag, like just enough to where the fumes would, would fucking do her in. Now, outside of that, he also injected different types of cleaning and solution into her skin. God, that's and, what it was. And Bono even made the suggestion of just put an op- an empty syringe full of air right into her bloodstream, and that'll probably stop her heart. So this one was a little bit more personal for Bianchi. So 
Bono. Hence the fact that there was action. I mean, this sort of experimental torture, right? As opposed to just a, their, their typical process, right? Which shows an escalation. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about it is that Bono was the one that would scrub the bodies. Get you know, you don't find out late until later on when we when we talk about this. It actually took them almost a year and a half to finally track these guys down after the murders had stopped, and we're on, I think, number four of ten. Like it, it can, or number five of ten. So yeah. it continues, and there was actually, uh, I believe, twelve victims total. But we'll get into that in a little bit. So yeah, this one was more personal for him. Now on November twenty third, we're talking like all of like all of November. Week. This, yeah. yeah, this was them just going. To, this was the escalation of everything. This was them embracing and getting a taste for it. Obviously, if there were so many incidents so close together. No, as I said before, this is all within uh, the time frame of Bianchi expecting with, with his first child. Now, the crazy thing about Bianchi, and you'll find that these serial killers do whatever it takes to not be responsible, I guess the word is. So Bianchi and Kelly Boyd were having some huge problems, and she was threatening to leave and all kinds of stuff. And like most sociopaths, he found a way to keep her around. Now, the way he found to keep her around was she had actually brought home, um, I believe, some kittens or something like that, and he was having a severe allergy attack and went to urgent care to find out, you know, what he's got to do for his allergies. I'm allergic to cats, too. Right. And so (laughs) what he did was he said that they found a mass on his lungs and that he has lung cancer. So he would actually have her once every couple weeks take him to a nearby hospital, and he would wander around for hours leading her to believe that he was getting chemo treatment for lung cancer. And he would just wander around hospital. So he did actually have lung cancer? Though. No. No, he did not. But, I mean, spoiler. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, but he, she believed it through and through. Because at that point... And that's where she'll stay, and that's in using yeah. that sort of deceit. You know, the guilt right. factor comes in, and plus being emotional with the pregnancy, with the pregnancy in the first yeah. place. and Right. So, I mean... Wh- I've, I, I've never had to deal with that situation. But no, but I mean, at, I that point, imagine. at that point, you're believing somebody so wholeheartedly. Like, how do you, I mean, if that turns out to be a lie, then what else is a lie? Then what else is a lie? Then? And then your entire world is shattered Everything around is you. Everything is fair game and if the you thing lie ab- about something so big like that. And the thing about Bianchi is that anybody who's ever been involved with him will tell you he's the sweetest guy. You know, he's a little bit immature. He, he was w- the pathological liar, as you described him Correct. in the previous episode. But yeah. he was he was actually really nurturing. He was actually very sweet. Like he actually Initially. Wrote, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, he, throughout their entire relationship, actually, he actually wrote her poetry, all kinds of things. Now, what he did after dark was a totally different thing. When he went to go play cards, you know... Legit Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's how most of these, these killers get away with it for so long. I mean, like... Oh, well, Bundy was right. like that, too. He was a BTK. charmer even in the courtroom, man, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah, or BTK or, or uh, uh, the Iceman, the, the Pol... Oh, God, what's his name? Top Gun? <laughs> no, 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 uh, the Polish... Uh, Kalinsky. Is it Kalinsky? Maybe. I think, it's, I think it's Kalinsky. But, you know, he was like... A family man outside to everybody else. Nobody ever thought anything of it. But when it came down to it, he was like the mob's number one assassin. Like, you know, you, you just live these double lives. And a lot of these guys are really good at that. Bono was an asshole through and through. He was very transparent. Everybody knew he was a douche when they met him. Now, Bianchi, he was a little bit harder to figure out. And as we go on with this case and we talk about more and more things, you're going to be like, holy shit, Bono was a douche, but Bianchi was fucking insane. Well, we're gonna we're gonna continue on that path now. Well, well, and being able to do that juggling act, man, and keep those two aspects of your existence separate, you have to have some essence of intelligence, I'd say. Well, that's you, the you thing. You can't he be a schlub had, if you're he, gonna get away with it for that long and still not get caught. Yeah, 
actually had a 118 IQ. So not I'm surprised. Gonna, he's not a super genius. You know what I mean? But he was no dummy by he's any. No schlub. No yeah, dullard. Like I yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, uh, was it um, Einstein and Marilyn Monroe both had 140s? I didn't know that about Marilyn. Well, yeah, right. And same thing with uh, 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 Morrison from The Doors. Hmm. He had a 140. One of my heroes. Just to put that into perspective. Yeah. Anyway, now, uh, so on November 23rd, 1977, the badly decomposed body of Jane King, age 28, an actress, was found near an off-ramp of the Golden State Freeway. Now, she had gone missing around November 9th. Okay, so this is literally two weeks later. Uh, with the continued discovery of bodies in hilly areas, a task force was finally formed to catch the predator dubbed the Hillside Strangler. At this point, they still thought that they only had one. One person. Yeah. And I will explain. Now, so were they burying these bodies, or were they oh, just, they they're just, just dumping them. they're just dumping them in isolated now, places? Here's the thing. As they continue, they get brazen to the point where they're dumping bodies like a block away from City Hall. They're, you know, and that... That, though, is Bianchi's thing. Bianchi really wanted notoriety, whereas Bono's like, you're not doing this right. And we'll cover, I mean, we'll cover that, that relationship here in a little while. Now, on December 13, 1977, police found the body of a 17-year-old prostitute, Kimberly Martin, on a hillside. Okay. Now, the final victim in Los Angeles was actually discovered on February 16th, now, in 1978. Now, the break between the murders actually happened because Bono's mother got, got sick. She got diagnosed with something serious. Now... I don't know what it is about Italian families or, or what the case may be, but Bono's like, I can't do shit. I need to be by my mother's side. And they just stopped. There's certain things that are still sacred, apparently. They just stopped for two months. He's like, fuck this. My mom needs me. And that's where he was. He was by her side. So even monsters, I guess, have that one thing that keeps them somewhat, I, I, what would you say, I guess, you know, keep your mind lucid at the time. You're not Maybe. quite the insane, you know, person that you're you're be, that you're turning into, or I don't I don't I don't know what you call it. All, all too often, though, men who abuse women are these like real mama's boys right. types and stuff like that. Right. I mean, hell, man. I mean, even look at the, like Norman Bates in Psycho, for God's sake. Correct. And, I mean, now uh, the final victim in Los Angeles was actually discovered on February 16, 1978, when a helicopter spotted an orange Datsun abandoned off a cliff in the Angeles Crest area. Now, police responded to the scene and found the body of the car's owner, 20-year-old Cindy Hudspeth, in the trunk. Now, here's the thing about Cindy, okay? Um, nine days after this, nine days after this is when Bianchi's baby was born, okay? What had happened was Bianchi had some sort of argument or, just, or, or falling out with, with Kelly Boyd as often as happened and rushed to Bono's upholstery shop. Now, Miss Hudspeth was actually getting her car upholstered there. And Bianchi dragged her into the office and did what he was going to do to her. And Bono, arguing at first, followed suit. But this was essentially like the breakup of their union. After all was said and done, after they killed her, after they, sh they put her in the trunk of her own vehicle, and after they fucking pushed that car over the ledge, and the body was found and all that, there's a... Uh, it was said that Bono actually came back out of that office with a gun, pointed it in Bianchi's face, and said, you are fucked off. You're doing this all wrong. You're doing this all wrong. You're not playing it smart anymore. I cannot do this with you anymore. And that was it. That was when they severed ties. And shortly after that is when Bianchi and Kelly Boyd moved to Washington. And for a while, Bianchi actually started a normal life. He started a normal life. He was, he was working as a security guard. You know, and keep Newborn in mind... baby, I mean... Right, and keep in mind, um, you know... 
they had tried different ways of 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 getting their victims, and Bianchi was just getting more and more brazen. They actually had uh, one of their victims. So, and this is like the pupil in this situation almost turning on the teacher, so to speak, you know. And just because there there probably is some weird essence of care and connection in this sick symbiotic relationship. I mean, he's still like, you're you're being too reckless, man. Right. I'm not gonna do this with you anymore. If you're gonna be this reckless, we will get caught, you know. And he, and, and so he, I would surmise. And eventually, it's Bianchi not cleaning up his tracks to get him that gets him caught. But we're Dang. gonna we're gonna talk actually about the Washington connection on the next episode. We'll give you the last the final two murders that Bianchi pulled, and how it is it was connected, and just the great police work that actually transpired to make all this all this coincide. So so they were no more perpetuated by Bono after this then. No. So after they that's that's what I wanted to talk about. That's why I was given this block of time. No. So after the split, uh, Bono never murdered again, never, and. There's speculation that Bianchi did all the strangling. Like, Bono was a sadist for sure, and he was really exploring his, his sexual sadism. He was involved in the raping and all that other right. stuff. But, but never, you know, they, they still don't think that he ever actually committed a single murder. I mean, definitely part of it. I mean, he's still guilty by association. He no, was there the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. But he never actually did any of the final murdering. Now, the next two I'm going to cover... Uh, Bianchi just strangles coming down the stairs. Um, he doesn't even, you know, I'm pretty sure afterwards there was maybe some form of rape or something like that. But Bianchi was a true murderer. He was a true killer. And he was the quiet one. He was a reserved one. He was the young one. Now, he actually talks later, as, as we'll discuss on the next episode when we talk about the trial, he actually talks later about each murder was him murdering his mom. So you want to talk about the whole monster. And we yeah, talked about Bianchi oh, yeah. not getting any physical, any attention really for the first three months of his life. And just how much that can... Right, and then the constant poking periods, and prodding man. of the doctors and everything mm-hmm. else like that. I mean, that, and then a head injury at the age of seven, that created mm-hmm. a monster, oh, yeah. hands down. And that's, that's kind of where we're, where we're at when we, when we speculate on what did what to a lot of these, these killers. What was that thing that gave them that permission? Because you give yourself little allowances I mean, and that's everyday life with everybody. You get away. Everybody tests their boundaries, especially as children. You test your boundaries. And that's what these guys did. And the more and more they test their boundaries, they, they, they went from, from murdering prostitutes to murdering school children to murdering just normal everyday late women to, to, to murdering college students. You know, and they, or they, in this case, and with the last one, just murdering whoever's there. Right. Yeah. Like they gave themselves those little allowances till they got reckless. And that's that constant escalation that you see with these people, you know, and it's it, it, it begs the question of what's the motive? Is it already in them? Is it that nature versus nurture? Is it the head injury? I mean, what makes these people the way they are? And that's that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to start this whole thing is because I want a further understanding of it. Because, I mean, all of us grew up watching CSI, Law & Order. I mean, it was always there. If, I mean, if you had parents in their 40s, then you know that that was on television. People have always had an obsession with this. and that, That's why those shows are still going, man, after, like, how many seasons for so many of them and how right. many spinoffs. And... Right. And I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth because true crime is being very good to us, you know, talking about older cases. I mean, older cases. And even talking about some of the newer cases like we cover before certain episodes. And also ones that are less known to the general public, which is what I think you've kind of approached right. this with in a lot of ways. You have gone for the big boys right off the bat i mean you know? I, I haven't touched on the ted bunnies i want to do the jamestown or the jonestown massacre i want to cover a lot of cult things there's a lot of things and also um i want to actually cover 
cases where profiling was wrong, dead wrong, like the Memphis Three. Have you heard about them? I've heard about the, the Memphis Three and how, the, I mean, there were how many different musicians in the late 90s oh, dude, that Eddie were Vedder? petitioning, Eddie trying Vedder to was rage a huge against part the machine, yeah. all kinds of different bands, man. So I would, I would really like to cover that later and show you how profiling can go terribly wrong. You see, Jonestown was one that fascinates me because of the there's, religious factor to it, man. Not just that, but the amount of audio I mean, that there is for that. Oh, my God. It's I mean, scary, we, man. I mean, people still talk about drinking the Kool-Aid. It's embedded into it's, the yeah. consciousness of popular culture at this right. point, and man. That's, I mean, and so, I mean, and we've seen an uptick just in the last, I mean, probably since Columbine, honestly. We've seen an uptick in, in fascinations with true crime. We really have, especially in the last few years, though. Right, I mean, I'd say. since nine eleven, yeah. since nine eleven, conspiracy theory has been on an all time high, and it's even. I mean, it's still escalating. I mean, I just listened conspiracy to conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, yeah. I just listened to a podcast the other day, actually, a five hour long podcast based around the twenty eight club. Have you heard about that? That's that's all these major celebrities that die at the age of twenty eight. Morrison and right. Uh, so I think else? even I, mean, uh, I think Hendrix. even Brittany Murphy was on that list. She was, I think, Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Um, um, Janis Joplin, yep. Kurt Cobain. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of them. A lot, a lot of them. Um, uh, yeah, Jimi Hendrix was actually like one of the longer topics that they covered about it and what actually happened with his final days. And there's a lot of speculation behind his his final moments and what, what really happened. But um, it, it just begs the question of, with this uptick, I mean, do you think the two are aligned? That's that's kind of how I want to end this end this episode. Do you think that the two are aligned with the amount of mass shootings and the amount of, I mean, even terrorist activity? Is that what's making true crime more prominent of an interest, or do you think it's just happening at? The, I mean, it just happens to be one of those random cases where they just they they collide, because it seems like in most recent years, especially with the uptick of of, of mass shootings, I mean, uh, solo acts, I mean, all kinds of crazy things that have been going on worldwide it's not just it's not just america it's it's worldwide i mean you've got people driving huge trucks in the public areas during christmas time in london you've got i mean there's a little oh, paris million, too man yeah <laughs> paris, i mean I, they even are starting to think that maybe notre dame was was arson we just had we just had a, a catholic church right here in phoenix burned down yes, we i did. think last week mm -hmm. that they're ruling out as arson yeah i mean is it is it the populace with their, their universal subconscious connected that's allowing all these things to happen or just accepting? Because it's almost an acceptance factor. Like, yeah, of course that should happen. Possibly, but I'm going to echo what I said earlier where I, I mentioned that I, I feel like the fact that media is everywhere at this point and that we get so much coverage of these horrible, horrible acts transpiring that I feel like people who are on the brink of potentially feeling inclined to do something like that, they feel like there's a higher probability, possibility they can get it done. There's more of an infatuation factor because of right. the amount of coverage. There is almost a glamorization and an allure with the extent of coverage. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the total infamy that we grant them. I mean, honestly, even doing this podcast is almost, you know... Pouring fuel on the proverbial a little, fire. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, not to call the kettle black, but that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That's why bit. I'm trying to cover older cases. Yeah, and <laughs> yet the more shows like us that pop up, the more potential somebody has to hear about this kind of stuff, and then just the gears start turning in their head, man. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave you guys with that thought. And speaking of more shows like this that pop up, uh, I want to give a huge shout-out to Age of Radio. I didn't do that in the beginning. Thank you very much, Age of Radio, for everything that you let us do. Um, check out... 
Uh, I don't want to use the term sister podcast because technically I think we'd be the little brother podcast. <laughs> uh, but definitely check out Color Me Dead. Uh, that show is ridiculous. They're a little bit more foul mouth than we are. I'm going to have to. We're, we, we sprinkle in some colored language here yeah. and there. But I feel like we do approach with a fine tooth comb and we don't try to get as graphic even if we're covering right. graphic material. And horrible scenarios. So, and I've said horrible way too many damn times on this podcast. <laughs> it's man. just you know, what? it's been my go-to tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit of a head shaker sometimes. Horrendous, um, horrific. I don't know. But uh, again, uh, thank you, Age of Radio. Check out Color Me Dead. Check out every show on Age of Radio. Go on there. Check out their bazaar. Look at all the show listings that they have. It grows every day. They're picking up new hosts, new shows. It's it's amazing to see this cool community growing. Um, and uh, holler at us. Go to centartainment at gmail Go to uh, my personal Instagram, Omega Twiz five one five zero Instagram. I definitely go to uh, the Profiling Pain uh, Facebook page that we've created. Check out the guys from Chiron. Go to Chiron Band AZ uh, or Facebook.com forward slash Chiron Band AZ. Correct. Check out the Reverb yeah. Nation. It's the same thing. Um, they've got a show coming up in July. So if you're local in Arizona, definitely email us or, or message them or whatever it is you got to do to get tickets to that show. Um, and if you want, like, spooktacular, scary stuff of the imaginary variety, if that's more more your jam, I mean, you can definitely check out The Horror Show, youtube.com slash uh, The Horror Show channel. We do spooktacular coverage at least one to two times a day, trailer reactions, film reviews, convention coverage. We have all kinds of fun stuff coming from Texas Frightmare, whether it's vlogs that we were doing, that interview with uh, Director Chard Archibald that I mentioned, and loads of other cool stuff. We are relentless with our spooktacular coverage, although... It's of that imaginary variety, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, most people I know who are into true crime, they also like horror that is in the realm of fantasy as opposed to the reminder of the scarific shit that we have in real life. So, I don't know, sometimes just that escapism is better than all too often for me. Until I started doing this podcast with you, man, I didn't have as much of a fascination, and I still probably don't, but the intrigue level has risen. I like my horrors to be imaginary and stuff right. that I wouldn't encounter in real life. But this stuff is, and it's, it's why serial killers and torture porn and horror and things like that, I, I find it so much more unsettling than like a creature chewing on somebody. You know, I'm more right. entertained by that. I'm scared and unsettled by stuff that real people could do to one another in real life. So, yeah, I mean, far I, more frightening. Yeah, by far. But uh, if there's anything that you think that we missed, and I guarantee you there's something that we missed on this episode, if you've got uh, some continuity issues that you need to discuss with us, definitely send us your emails. Uh, like the page. Share it. Um, Apple reviews are always great. Uh, we're doing really great on Stitcher and a few other platforms. I mean, anything – I mean, obviously, if you're listening to us, you have something to listen to us on. But share it. Let, let people know. Uh, there will be a little bit more consistency in the episodes following. Uh, we promise you. Uh, we have a it, schedule that we're kind of trying to set up, especially as I'm getting done with, you know, convention season right. and stuff like that here in the coming weeks. And we're going to be, I mean, hitting you with, uh, you know, at least a few things a month as opposed to waiting larger chunks of time. So that's uh, yeah, we're actually. And then also on top of that um, here, I, I'm not going to give you a definite timeline because I'm terrible with these things, obviously. Uh, but there will be a little bit of a more half hour variety show coming up also in between these major cases. Um Conspiracy theory, um, just normal discussions, maybe even some political stuff going on. Um, none of it's going to be too, 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 too serious, though. And if you have any suggestions on something you just want to hear us discuss, let us know. Uh, I'm going to try my hardest to actually start getting interviews. And then uh, me and Fuego kicked around the idea of a Ted Bundy episode coming up. Well, episodes. That's going to be 
that's going to be quite a, a, a few things there, and even possibly a movie review. We're, we got a few things in the mix that we're working on. Well, because there's the doc, and then there's the Zac Efron movie Correct. that just came out. And, so. like, Zac Efron, real quick, real quick before we let you guys go. <laughs> High School Musical, right? He's come a long way, hasn't he? Like, <laughs> I mean, once he did that movie with Robert De Niro, what was that, uh, uh, terrible Grandpa or something like that? Bad Grandpa. Bad Grandpa yeah, with Robert yeah. De Niro. Aubrey Plaza was in it. Yeah. <laughs> Love Aubrey Plaza. Once I saw him do that movie, I was like, what in the hell is happening? But you know what? Go Zac Efron. You're a man of many hats. I'm not going to say that you're the next Caprio, but you're working your way towards it. Good on you, man. Good on you. I was going to say, this this Bundy biopic of sorts has been praised as the best work of Kit's career. And he's right. not, he's obviously not a kid anymore if he's playing that sort of right. infamous fuck. So there yeah. you go. But anyway, so uh, that's that. That's where we're at. Um, like, share, subscribe, all that jazz, and uh, lock your doors. And until next time, uh, I've been Chris Payne. Gracias, I've been Jaime Fuego. And uh, stay metal, mofos. Do your best. Deuces. Deuces.